Well, welcome back to another episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenot and at SBN Rossonero to where you can find us on Twitter. What a week we have had at AC Milan. Last week, we are talking about financial stability and ownership, and this week, we're talking season preview. But not just any season preview, we're talking season preview for all of Serie A. But before we get to that, the most important thing that happened in the last week that no Milan fan in their right mind can stop smiling about is the return of our beloved Paolo Maldini. He's back. The captain has returned for an official role working alongside Leonardo in the sport director role. And I am just over the moon. And I know all the Milanisti I know are, this has been a long time coming. This has been years in the making. And we finally have Maldini back in a role that he should have been given in 2008. But I, I just cannot express how happy I am. He's finally back, and he has given his support to the project, which makes me all in, and I'm pretty sure my co-host agrees, so I'll bring him in now. Tim, how do you feel that the eternal captain of AC Milan is back in red and black? Oh, I couldn't stop smiling the other day, Patrick. And honestly, I kind of got overwhelmed with emotion, and I know I'm not the only one. Because, as you said, first of all, this should have happened in 2008, 2009 at the end of Maldini's career. But we've been clamoring for this for years now. As this club has continued to fall and fall, we've always, at least among Milan fans, it's always felt like this sort of prophecy, if you would, that the club couldn't truly revive itself unless Paolo Maldini was back in some sort of role. And... I think the fact that he's turned down opportunities in the past at the times where he's actually been offered as opposed to just being completely ignored by the club as like many of the big players have, I think this is a huge deal for the club. And I've tried to explain this to people who are in Milan fans who are like, why are you so excited about this guy coming back? Like the, He's just in some director's role. He's not going to make a difference on the pitch. First of all, he might because he's going to be involved in transfer strategy, apparently. And second of all, he's such a massive part of Milan, as we've called him the eternal captain. You can talk about the greatest players to ever wear these colors. And obviously, you know, Franco Baresi and Marco Van Basten and Kaka and all these unbelievable players that have worn this shirt. And all of them, I think, are behind Paolo Maldini. He is the Milan guy. And I think him coming back is such a massive moment for the club because what it does is it legitimizes this ownership group that we didn't know anything about all of three weeks ago that we were terrified about because all we knew is that they were going to repo the club pretty much. And instead of just repoing it and leaving it, they've gone all in. Elliot have gone all all in on this club and bringing in Leonardo and letting him have the keys to the garage and just go absolutely nuts the way he has. I think this is a mark of legitimacy for the owners. I think it's validation of the project Leonardo has in mind. And I think from here, now they can 
they can rev it up and keep going and really build on the momentum they've already established. I absolutely agree with everything you just said. The fact that this time last year, or even a couple months earlier, we were hearing about Maldini considering a role with the new ownership, but not sure. And then he ended up saying, look, I'm, I'm going to pass on this one. I'm not going to do it. And there was some backlash um, from those who I will give the benefit of the doubt and say they didn't know any better. Because if Maldini says, you know, I'm not so sure about these guys. I think we should all be a little careful. To most Milanisti, that would be the indication of, hmm, something must be really wrong. Because Maldini has shown that he loves the club as much as we love him. And so for him to, for him to be comfortable enough to throw his support behind Leonardo and behind this group and say, I believe in this project, I'm here to stay, I'm excited to be back, that if I wasn't all in already, because after they appointed Leonardo and started making some of these moves they have, I was all in. But once Maldini said that, I'm like, all right, all my concerns are gone. It's we're all good. The fact that he's finally back and, you know, we had to live through that whole Berlusconi thing of like, uh, will Maldini come back? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. And then Maldini was like, uh, I don't know. And then he went to the United States uh, for Miami FC and all the while, we're just sitting here like, okay, I don't know why our greatest player of all time, who we retired the number, no one can wear number three unless his last name is Maldini. Which is the royal family of the club. It started even beyond him with Cesare, and he was born. He into, was yeah. literally born as an AC Milan. Like, he was born a Milanista, which is just so cool. And his sons... They are the only ones who can wear number three. If The fact that no one except for his kids can wear that number ever again. The fact that he never played for it. You know, like the reverence that Roma has for Totti is the reverence that we, that we should always, and if we haven't, should always have shown towards Paolo Maldini who is just the AC Milan player. Maldini is just a synonym for Milan. And the fact that he's put his support, and now he can be used in recruitment. And what is your response going to be to Paolo Maldini? Like, that's so... I've seen all these things, like, you know, he calls someone up and says, hey, it's Paolo Maldini, and then the response is, where do I sign? Like... You know, a little bit of exaggeration, but if you know who he is, you know, I I don't, I literally have no idea what I would do if I met Paolo Maldini. If you're a footballer who grew up around the time that we did, so, I mean, we were both pretty young at the time of Leonardo. Obviously, Maldini played for a lot longer, and we got to experience that, and Gattuso. You sit across the table from Leonardo, Maldini, and Gattuso, and they want you and they believe in you, and you're going to try to say no to that? Like, wow. Yeah, good luck. 
you're also probably not going to make it out alive because Gattuso is going to give you the death <laughs> stare. And I don't know how you make it out of that either. But I mean, just to recap. So, and this is on AC Milan's website. He made his, and this, all these figures are just incredible, which is why I'm reading them. He made his debut at the age of 16, won 26 trophies, seven Serie A, one Coppa Italia, five Italian Super Cups, five Champions Leagues in eight finals, five European Super Cups, two Intercontinental Cups, one FIFA Club World Cup, and retired at the end of 08-09 after 25 years at Milan, 419 matches as captain of the team. Like, the, all of those numbers are just absolutely whack. So I could not be more enthusiastic about the return of Maldini. That is why I put in my name, hashtag Bentornato Maldini, because the man is finally back. This should have happened 10 years ago, but the fact that this ownership is the one that pulled it off is a testament to them and a testament to the project and what is going to be done in the future. And so I couldn't be more excited and I'm just over the moon. And that was the best thing that could have happened before the season. That is period. The best thing that could have happened. There is nothing that can top that we've been wanting this this, like announce Maldini has been something we've wanted for years and we finally got it and I just can't uh, it's hard to express how important this is for this club if you've listened to Italian pundits throughout the course of the offseason the biggest question mark for them with Milan was is the ownership situation going to be finalized by August or by the start of the season and if it wasn't they were going to be in trouble not only is it organized not only is it figured out but it has the vote of confidence from the Milan man, the one that matters, and that is as big a statement as we could have hoped for. Now we look to the season. It looks like we might also have the return of Kaká, who will be kind of under Leonardo, not paid, but just kind of learning how to be a director. And so if we get Kaká in management too, holy moly, we are just... It's like the reverse of the past couple of years of just burning through club legends as manager. <laughs> on that note, we can finally look forward to the season. Season starts on the 18th. And so what we're going to do is we are going to give our top six. We're going to give our bottom three uh, in the doom and gloom part of the podcast because that's where it gets a little cynical. Uh, we're going to talk about the golden boot which might be a little quicker than any of us want it to be. But let's see where we go. And we'll also talk about the lineup for the season and what we're most looking forward to. So as champions, and it's weird that we're starting at champions, but it kind of makes sense because I have a feeling you're going to say the same thing as me. I believe that is correct. The champions are going to be Juve. Yes. Yeah. I, I just can't, I'm sorry, I just can't see it going otherwise. The Ronaldo move did it. If they didn't sign Ronaldo, this would be a whole different kettle of sharks. Oh, absolutely. But I, I just can't, with Ronaldo getting Benucci back, even though they lost Buffon, they got Perrin, who's really good. Cancelo, 
and the fact that they got Sean on a free and I just, you know, Matuidi might not be the best. Kadira might be losing his legs, but they just got Sean on a free. Pjanic isn't leaving this window. Dybala is going to get to play with Ronaldo. <laughs> Costa is there to stay and maybe Allegri will start him now. I just don't see Juventus not winning the league. No, I I do have Juventus, and then in parentheses, but because all these additions were fantastic, and it was the best summer of the best summer additions in the entire league. Obviously, Ronaldo alone makes that case. I didn't realize Emre Chan is only twenty four years old still, and that really annoys me. So to get him on a free, holy wow! But there's one objective in mind for Juventus this season. And it's the Champions League. They, it's now. It's now or never. They obviously, Leonardo took them to town with the swap deal. Benucci for Caldara and Higuain. So they brought back Benucci. They wanted that experienced defense. They're loaded up to become the team in Europe. Might that distract them a bit in Syria? That's the only way I can see them not winning another Scudetto. Because I think... They're going to be so consumed by that desire to win the Champions League for the, the first time since long, long time ago that they could very easily get tripped up. This is a league in which it's very easy to drop points, and there's a possibility that some of those big European knights are going to be in the vicinity of big Serie A fixtures. I was looking at their schedule last night, and they play Milan, Inter, and Roma at times in March and April that are pretty close to what should be the Champions League dates. So maybe that trips them up. And also, Inter are a much better title contender than Napoli were last year. And I think that segues into what we both have as second place. Yeah, I also have Inter as second place. Yeah. yeah. What a summer. I, they, I am going to go out on a limb here. I think Inter had the best transfer window in Europe. That's fair to say. I really think they did. You look at... So, you add Nyangalan, you add Lotaro Martinez, you add DeVry after he throws you into the Champions League, <laughs> you add Vershalko on loan after an awesome World Cup, and, oh, by the way, you add Asamoa on a free. This, their lineup, Handanovic, one of the best keepers in the league. How he's still there amazes me. Like I, I, it's incredible. Well, he's thirty four now, but he's still doing this at such a old, at an old age. But wow, he might be the best keeper. The fact that last season he would have been keeper of the year had not been for Alisson. And so you have Handanovic with a line of Vershalko, Skriniar, Devry, and Asamoa in front of him. Followed by what will likely be Nyangalan and Brozovic. And then you have Kandreva, Icardi, and Perisic. And then you have Martinez coming off the bench. Jesus. So that would be a 4-2-3-1. I need one more. So let's say Galliardini or Vicino as well. And I, I don't know which one of those will start. I know that Gagliardini wasn't as good as he was expected to be last year. The right. year before that, I know he was pretty darn good. I was going to um, say Vecino probably fits in there. Vecino, better. that's what I was thinking, because Gagliardini is far more defensive-minded. 
so so yeah, Handanovic for Schalke, Skriniar, Devry, Esomoa, Niangalon, Vicino, Brozovic, Kandreva, Icardi, Perisic. Have fun, kids. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah, I mean, they. I 100% agree with you. They are better contenders than Napoli last season, just because Napoli had built up to last season. Last season was last season was it for them. That was the high. And they had a great season. They didn't come away with anything, but they had one of the best. They had the best second place season ever. And that is a testament. I mean, it is. Yeah, It, it was by points. And like, it's a testament to them, but they built up to that. Inter going all gung ho. And I think, you know, this, this team has more than one year in them. Unless someone were to leave. I know Nyangalan took a step back with Roma, but the fact that they took him from Roma is absolutely insane. That defensive line is whack. Yeah. And then the fact that they kept Icardi and Perisic, and, I mean, the only bad thing, honestly, is hanging on to Kendreva. That's fair. They could have done with an upgrade there. But that, you know... Icardi is going to score like 25 or 28 or some wild amount of goals and they're going to finish second place. I just don't see how barring a monumental Spalletti firing collapse. I don't see how they don't finish second. And I think they're going to run Juve tighter than Napoli did last year. It's going to be a hell of a title race and it's going to be a great season overall, but I think you're absolutely right with everything you said. Let's just, before we move on, throw one thing out there right now. Inter are not getting Luka Modric. That's just... Correct. Yeah, that's, that's a happening. fact. Yes. Yeah. If they do, wow. If they do, we might have to revisit this because that is... Well, okay, no. It's not as big yeah. <laughs> a signing as Ronaldo was. But in terms of the player that that would add, and like... Screw, screw Gagliardini and Vecino. Like <laughs> they can, they can come over to Milan. You're not getting any time over Modric. I'm sorry, guys, but I mean, I, I don't. We who live in reality have accepted, hopefully, that Modric will not go to Inter, and that that was going to be the final straw for me. That yeah. that was going to be it. Um, I'm really, I mean, I'm really, good, but between Juve and win now mode. For Champions League. And you're right. That is what they did Ronaldo for. The problem is, I think that Juventus has so much depth and that they're so talented, they can still win in Serie A with a backup line. Like, they can get a win with their... I've seen the chart. I've seen the graphics that say, oh, the the backup roster for Juve could compete for a European spot. Okay, yeah, they could compete (laughs) for sixth. Like, look yeah. at that roster. Don't tell me that that's going to be a Champions League roster, too. It's not. They're going to... It's competitive. It's a good... It's good when you can sub players out. But I I just think Juve are going to be... The fact that they resorted back to Chiellini Benucci tells me that they they are not messing around. They don't want to take any risks. They know what they got, and they're just going to roll forward Inter are going to have to play their A game every single week because Juve could probably play a 
B or C game and still crank out a one nil or a two one. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And all I all I have to add is on top of Juve going to what they know, what is Max Allegri if not the most pragmatic SOB in the world? <laughs> yeah. I oh he'll, he'll find a way. And also, I mean, think about Ronaldo playing with Dybala. And last season, I'm going to say, was a disappointing Dybala season. It was not great. I mean, he obviously, he has a load of talent. But him playing with Ronaldo is either going to be super good or they're going to trip over each other. And I think that is that first seven games where if it's going to take time for Ronaldo to get his feet underneath him that's when it's going to be, and that's when the narrative of like, ooh, upsetting the apple cart, or we're going to just see Dybala shine. Right. Right? I, but back to Inter, they're so, they're so stacked, and it's so upsetting. And they have Lutaro Martinez to take the place of Icardi, and he should only get better, and then when Icardi inevitably leaves for Real Madrid in two years... Martinez is just going to walk right out. unless Icardi stays. I mean, unless that happens, but I I think it's I think it's bound to happen at some point. So, down to 3. This is where it gets really good. This is where it starts getting fun. I have Napoli. I also have Napoli. I think as I said before that they built up to last year. I think they knew what they were doing and that was their upswing. I think this year is where you will see a downswing. I think it's hard to go up from what they did, considering they really didn't add a lot. They added Verdi, and they added Ruiz. They lost Jorginho. They got Ancelotti. They lost Sari. Sari brought that style of play that not only made them one of the best attacks in the world, but they were fun to watch. But that didn't get them the title. And now there's Ancelotti, and I know I know what he can bring. Losing Jorginho was huge. And I'm looking at this roster, and you add another year to Hamshik, and you lose Jorginho, and all of a sudden this midfield is an issue. And I know they spent on Ruiz. And they spent on Verdi. But I'm th- that's not going to get you second anymore, and that's not going to win you the title anymore. It's it's just not. This is not going to happen this year. It's a lot of pressure to put on Fabian Ruiz to come in and be Jorginho's replacement, especially when a, when some people are saying he's not even a Jorginho type player. I've personally never seen him play, but I, some people are saying he plays more like Milinkovic Savage. Obviously, not at that level yet, but he's not the Jorginho player. I think the best player. That you've that Napoli brought in right now is someone that I know you like. Someone we've talked about before is Alex Murray, yeah, as the replacement for Pepe Reina, who's now obviously the number two at Milan. That was a good pickup in goal. I they didn't do enough other than that. I I think that was a desperate spend on Fabian Ruiz. I think they could have maybe taken more time there, but I what do I know? We'll see what happens. I also think it was an impulse buy on Simone Verdi. Yes. Because why why I get I get what he did for Bologna. I get that he's a good player. I get that Milan were in for him and Juve were in for him and I I hope Milan was in for him. I mean by god, he's our system player. Exactly. He's another one of those guys who fits in that 11 of players that got away. 
Oh, God. Vershalko, too. I mean, for God's sake, uh, we can't do this again. Um, But. <laughs> well, Verity... we still have to talk about Roma. Oh, no. Oh, God, that's right. Oh, <laughs> it's like, it's like a, it's like an, oh, my God. Anyway, so Verdi was a good addition, and I get why you would add him. But you, but it's not like you were Milan, and after your starting wingers, you have no one. Yeah. Right? Like, they have Insigne, they have Mertens, and they have Callihan, and they have Milik, right? So why, I, who's starting? Is Verdi starting? Because I would assume if you're spending 25 to 30, you're going to start him. But Callihan, what did he do to get benched? And then also, by the way, Mertens, I, I don't know how many times last season I saw Mertens in a top top. 10 players in the world ranking he was very high up in the fc 100 i remember that yeah he was i mean he was in the top 15 or 10 i mean he's a beast i mean he didn't start for belgium but i mean a lot of people didn't start for belgium uh nyangalan didn't make the roster for belgium that's how good they were but i mean you look at their attack and sure they have good players but i i just again i'm not sure if i see it i you didn't need verdi you needed a true Jorginho replacement. And if Ruiz is an Ancelotti player, I get it. That's fine. But I'm not. And the other thing with Murray is he spent a lot of time injured. And that is what has prevented him from making a move like this earlier. And so now he's at Napoli, and I get it. But the defense will be okay. Hamshik had the Nyangalan thing last year of like, oh, this dude can't run anymore. Like, what is going on? And like, Diawara will get better. And then there's Allen and Zielinski, but that, I just don't feel as good about Napoli. I'm not saying that they're going to be out of it, but they're not going to, I just can't see them winning the league and I don't see them keeping pace with Inter. I, I see the league in categories and the first tier is... Juve and Inter, and then the second tier includes Napoli, so they are just competing, in my mind, for third. Right. I think they'll get there, but they're competing for third. Yeah, I think they'll get there, and I think we've talked about this, that there's, you know, they have to be careful because there's a couple teams behind them that are very capable of getting in front of them very quickly. So I there's not a lot to get really excited about with this team. I mean, personally, as, you know, as Italians, we want to see Lorenzo Insigne continue to be really mad about being on the bench in that Sweden game and go crazy. But, you know, can he do it in this team? I mean, we, as Milan fans, we love Carlo Ancelotti and we know what he's capable of, but it was something that worked magically at Milan and he's gotten league title sense at huge clubs, but this is a very unique job that he's taking on here. So, I'm very interested to watch Napoli this season. I'm not expecting a lot. I'm not expecting a little. So they're just kind of that in the middle team right now. Like kind of like with the exception that they added players, kind of like a Tottenham in the Premier League almost. Yeah. And the the thing about Ancelotti taking the Napoli job is if he had taken the Napoli job last season, I would have been like, oh, they're, oh, they're going for the title. But there was no reason for them to change from sorry. Now, I mean, I didn't really see them with a need to change from sorry. Like, 
you could have just kept going. I also get the whole like, okay, well, we're going to change. We we evidently need to do something different because it isn't working. Well, it is De Laurentiis. Yeah, well, he's, yeah, he's also a crazy human being. But you have <laughs> the fact that Ancelotti took like Madrid and Bayern and PSG and Milan and uh, he, you know, among others, obviously. But those are all things where the the roster is established and you basically say, okay, now take this and win a title. And he does wonders with it. But this I just don't see as a fully built roster anymore. And I'm not saying that's only Jorginho. I just see that Inter and Juve got so much better and Napoli didn't get that much better. It's like they like added at the beginning. They're like, all right, now we're good. And then they've watched all this happen and they're like, huh, maybe not. (laughs) But then they did nothing about it. And then they did nothing about it. "Hmm, All right. And like, that's it. Yeah. So I, I have them in third. So who do you have in fourth? In fourth, I have our boys. I have Milan and it's, it's a tricky pick for me because, again, I think that there's a lot of possibilities in this three to six range. But I just – I was not going to do this until this week. I I think that things are settling down now with the ownership group. I think that has allowed everyone to kind of reset, figure out what this team needs, and I think they're going to start pulling things together. I think – the Iguain and Caldara editions, you can't talk about those enough about how amazing that was to turn Bonucci, who was struggling, is aging, and clearly didn't want to be here anymore, into a 24-year-old defender who's desperate to prove that he can be in a big club right now because he was outstanding at Atalanta, had just signed a contract with Juventus, and then like, oh, you know, like we want to win now. We're not going to deal with you. And you bring in Iguain, who's who's going to get you 20-plus goals. I mean, you have to imagine that he's good for 20 goals this year. He takes pressure off of Cutrone and Silva, who I think will both be better this year. I think now that they're, they're kind of settled down, they have another year under them, they're going to be more settled under Gattuso, and they're, they have Iguain to put his arms around them. I think they're going to be more consistent this year. I think that last year you started off with this weird team. This team was weird at the start of last year. You had all these new players. You had Montella. You had Europa League football. You didn't know what the heck was going to happen. We come rolling out in this three-back system that was clearly just a way to make Benucci feel comfortable, and it didn't work. So you're trying all these different things at the beginning. Gattuso's going to have a set plan. He's going to have this team playing with a certain philosophy right from the start. And I think that one of the things we haven't really talked about, and I, I have it listed here, is can they avoid the stupid results? Uh, yes, the classic Milan games that happen every other yes. week. Uh, yes. Yes. Now, I, look at, I looked at last year's schedule, and I was thinking to myself, if you pick out three matches where you should be guaranteed nine points, I'll make it four matches where you should be guaranteed 12. Both games against Verona and both games against Benevento. Oh, God. Don't even say that name to me ever again. I, that, I oh. know. They picked up 
three points against Verona. And they picked up one point against Benevento. Shocking. Yeah, you can't drop eight points against those two teams. Had they picked up those eight points, they're level with Inter and Lazio. We're talking about a team that was, oh, they're too far off the top four right now. They were level if they didn't drop those stupid points. If a goalkeeper didn't come in and score, if they didn't lay an egg in those other two games. I mean, there was a lot going on for this team last year. I think there's going to be less chaos, more organization, more people on the same page. They still have to add a couple more pieces, I think, and we've talked about that. But I think that they're fully capable of making it work this year, and I think that top four is a very real possibility. And I think our readers agree with me. Yeah, so I I agree that Milan is certainly a contender for the top four. Um, unfortunately, I have them at five. Um, I will give my number four in a second. Um, I'll just give my take on Milan. Uh, they finally have stability. Um, last year, you had all the roster turnover. Um, this year, you have a normal transfer window. Okay, you made some additions. You Your coach is the same. He has gotten the offseason with the team. He has experience with the team. He knows what Milan is. He knows how important that is. He is not the same as Montella, who did not start the same 11 players in the same formation at all last season. Every single game was a different formation. So, and a different lineup. So, the fact that we know, we know who's going to be on the pitch. With maybe one exception of either an injury or who's in the center mid. Or a striker, sure. But otherwise, we know who's out there. It's going to be Donnarumma, Calabria, or Conti. I think Calabria. Um, Romagnoli, Caldara, Rodriguez, or Strenich. Kessie, Bilia, or Locatelli, Bonaventura. Suso, Higuain, or Cutrone or Silva, dependent on competition and rotation. That's fine. I'm okay with that. And uh, Chalulu. And that's it. That That's the lineup. 4 3 3. We're not going to do 4, you know, we're not going to do 4 5 1. We're not going to do uh, 3 5 2. 3 5 1 with Suso just kind of running around. We're not going to do any of that. We're not going to start Kayanich up top. Where it it's it's finally stable, and they don't have the off the pitch distractions of like, well, hey, like, uh, what about your money? And hey, what about that two hundred million? And hey, what about that hedge fund? Um, Cutrone and Silva, like you said, are going to get to learn from Higuain, which is going to be awesome. They're going to have a lot less pressure. There was no pressure on Cutrone last season, and this season there was going to be tons of pressure. And you know what they did with Higuain? They took all of that off. No pressure is on Cutrone anymore. And no pressure is on Silva anymore because he didn't have a good year last year. So the only pressure is to do better than that. And oh, by the way, he's wearing the number 69 now and he already has a goal. The winner against Barcelona the whole day was just amazing. It was just, so, we got we got Maldini back and then Silva said to Higuain, hey, if you want the number nine, it's yours. And he did 
what any person on Twitter would have expected him to do. <laughs> and took 69 and scored a winning goal against Barcelona. And I just could not believe it. It was like a storybook. I couldn't believe it. So the fact I have them in fifth, I just, and I believe in Gattuso. I believe in the roster. I think it's going to be close. The problem is they might have one of those rough starts again. Not an extended rough start. I don't think this is going to be a coach firing start. I think this is just going to be a, okay, like, not losses, but draws. And then I think they'll be able to pick it up and roll. I just, this sings fifth to me. I think they are better. They're definitely better than sixth. And that's what Higuain gets you. Higuain can get you from sixth to fourth. Uh, I think the pro- my problem is there are still holes in the roster, and I can't believe that we're still we're still doing this, right? Locatelli, Billy, and Montalivo all play the same position and cannot play with one another. We saw we tried that. We tried Locatelli and Billy, and it didn't work. They were both trying to do the same thing. It didn't work. So those are all in the same position. Kessie's the only one who plays his. Bonaventura and Maori are the only others, and Maori doesn't play. And then you can tell me Hilalovic, and you can tell me Bertolacci. <laughs> no. Um, and Hilalovic isn't even a midfielder. He's a winger. So I, I just cannot believe that we're still doing this. It's like, can we get a midfielder, like any anyone, can we please, like, I know we thought years ago that Bertolacci was, was that guy, right? I know that when we bought him, he was supposed to be the, the you know, he was with Romagnoli, and it was supposed to be this great signing, and it just hasn't worked out, and he was fine at Genoa, and we're going to try him out again, I don't know why. But we just don't have that depth. And what we need is, you know, I know Kovacic is close to Chelsea. And I know that Rabiot, you know, there were reports. And then Leonardo basically said, like, I respect my former club too much to do that. And which is fine. But you could go ahead and ask him, like, you're not you're not doing anything wrong. You're not stealing. You're just asking. Um, I maintain that I want Ceballos. Um, and then recent reports have linked us to Milinkovic-Savic, but recent reports have also linked Milinkovic-Savic to Inter, Real Madrid, Juventus, and Manchester United. So, um, And Lotito is the one you have to negotiate with, so he's going nowhere. Um, I do want to point out, I saw one. I saw one graphic that I laughed at. Because it said, Jorge Mendes clients. Milinkovic Savic to Real Madrid. Modric to Inter. Jao Mario to Lazio. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. And it said, um, you know, Real Madrid gets their guy. Uh, Inter gets Modric. And Lazio gets their SMS replacement. Everyone's happy. And I said, yeah, everyone's uh, happy except for Lazio. 
Lazio got screwed. If you're doing that, you better believe that Lazio is getting Modric. Like, you're not... I was like, what, why, why does Inter... And I was so confused. I was like, why does Inter get the better play? Like, if you're doing the... Di- I was so confused, but I was laughing. I'm like, I don't care if Lazio gets $120 million according to this graphic. That's a... That's... It's okay, so you lost your best player. Arguably, Immobile. Um, you lost one of your best players. And you're going to take a West Ham reject slash inter reject slash inter reject while inter gets their shiny new toy and look about <laughs> like, no, this is not no. Um, and then, you know, someone said like inter fans are always unrealistic. And I said, oh, yeah, okay, we're also being linked to Milinkovic Savage. Like I, I want Mil- and you know, Leonardo wants Milinkovic Savage. And it's like, yeah, and I want to drive a Ferrari. Like, I I got nothing else to... But we need a midfielder. That's one of my problems. Bakayoko? Uh, I'll take him over Montalivo. Indeed. I agree um, with that. I'll take it... I mean, do we have to pay for him? Because if the answer is no, yeah, sure, I'll take him on loan. Right. Which I think is the report right now, that they would want that him on loan. That is the report. Yeah. Yep. I'll take him over Montalivo in a heartbeat. Um, Montalivo, who for some reason still refuses to leave. I I thought I saw a report that he was basically told, like, look, we're, you're not in the plans. Like, you should seek a new club. But and I'm just the like, captain. <laughs> <laughs> but I was captain for a while. It's like, go away. I don't know. What, what do you think you're accomplishing here except for making way too much money? But I... We need a midfielder, and I'm not going to get all up about Milinkovic Savage. Obviously, I want Milinkovic Savage. Obviously, I want Kovacic or Rabio or Ceballos. Those are all fantastic players who would do wonders. And would if we signed one of those, I would say fourth place. If if we sign Milinkovic Savage tomorrow, we're fourth place. I but I I can't project based on players we don't have and it, that's a hole for us because it's either Bilia or Loka and Loka's young and still working on it and Bilia's old and perpetually injured and we didn't sign Bernard so we don't have more left winger depth because behind Chalagluglu we have Are you going to do that all season by the way? I need to know. Yes. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um I, I, if you don't, th- if you think I'm not going to do that, you're out of your mind. And if that guy commentates again, I, I have to watch it on mute. I just can't. So, um, behind, behind Chalinoglu is Barini and Hilalovic. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. We can't be doing that. And behind Suso is Barini. Yep. And it's like, what? Where is our winger that if we're gonna run a four three three, or if we're even gonna have a prayer of playing Chalonoglu in a central kind of role, and then having him be more free, we're gonna need some someone else to put on the sides because if you put Barini and Halilovic, and I guarantee you that's gonna be the starting wing pairing one one sad Coppa Italia day or something like that it's going to be so bad 
And it's just going to be like, let's pump the ball. It's going to be either Bilia or Locatelli pumping the ball, the long balls over to Higuain and hoping he can bucket two goals and win. Um, th- those are my concerns. We need a midfielder and we need a winger. Uh, would have liked Bernard. I know he was going to Everton. Congratulations. Mm. Um, that I mean, it's a solid signing. I know he was asking for a lot of money. But, you know, we could use that. I would have liked that, but that those are my reservations. It's not necessarily that I think my fourth place team for this season is that much better. I think it's going to be close, but we have too many holes. Uh, my fourth place team is Roma, which is my fifth place team. Yeah, I they I know they lost. Um, I know they lost Alisson, and that's a big loss but they got a lot of money from that and they'll be able to reinvest that if only they could sign some player like malcolm um but yeah that was uncalled for i'm sorry um but they added pastore cliver and cristante cristante yeah that's this is the worst this is why i wanted to take it like this is why i didn't want to talk about this team cristante is good and he's gonna add a lot to that midfield the thing is so De Rossi is also losing his legs, which is sad, but it's happening. So you have Cristante. At least he knew that and yeah. uh, tried to tell Ventura the same thing. Yeah, well, at least someone on that team knew what was going on. <laughs> um, so Cristante, Pellegrini, and Strutman are your three in the midfield. And De Rossi, I know he's captain. Um, I know Florenzi's captain when he isn't. But he is not going to be in all the time. So you have those three, which I like, but that also has what I call bust potential of like either that midfield is going to have a really good game or that midfield is just going to get absolutely run over. Uh, it's it's either up or down with those guys. You have Checo, who's good for at least 20 goals. Um, I am a big Florenzi fan. Manolas surprised everyone. Kolarov turned up last year. Uh, Cliver is only going to get better. Uh, and I really like that signing. I would have liked the Malcolm signing a lot. Yeah. A if lot. they had signed Malcolm, that would have put them in fourth for me. The thing is, like, again, like you can you can throw a dart, I think, at a couple of these teams and see what happens. I think... I was looking at Roma's roster, and I think maybe there's just not enough. I mean, pot kettle right now, but maybe not enough depth for me. Like I think they really, they really played out of their bodies last year. When I mean making it to the to the Champions League semifinals, and really just everything they did last season was special, both on the pitch and on social media. So, I, I don't know. I just it's weird for me. I. Losing Alisson is huge. Olsen's good, but I don't think he's good enough to replace what you lose there. And you can you can bring in all the midfielders in the world, and I don't know how you replace Nangolin. I mean, that's such... I don't think that you can really stress how important he was to Roma. And I obviously, I also love Brian Cristante, and we were both really... We get really upset when we have to talk about Brian Cristante, but <laughs> I, I, he's he's good, and that's a good team that they have there. I think 
fit fourth and fifth could very easily be decided over the course of two weeks at the San Siero and the Olympico. I agree. And so I was talking about those tiers earlier where it's Juve and then you can say Inter and Juve are in the same category, or you can say Juve quickly followed by Inter. And then I think you have a group of Napoli and Roma. And if you want, you can include in that category Lazio and Milan, or you can say Milan and Lazio are the category under where Lazio and Milan are fighting for fifth and sixth and hoping to get fourth, whereas Roma and Napoli are fighting, hoping to stay in the Champions League spots. Um, And by the way, Lazio is my sixth place. I expect you have the same. I do. And I think that whoever are fifth and sixth have to be careful because I don't think we did our seventh, but Atalanta is going to be right behind them, I believe. I have Fiorentina, um, and I, I kind of flipped a coin between Atalanta and Fiorentina. Um, I know Ad- the thing, and it was hard because a lot of people, it's kind of a, a contrarian pick because I was like, a lot of people are going to pick Atalanta, and for good reason. I, I'm just going to take a chance and say Fiorentina. I have no rhyme or reason to it, right. truly. Um be adventurous yeah that's basically my risky pick because like i went pretty safe on all of these so that's my that's my gamble uh as for lazio i there's just not a lot i can say about lazio their style of play is good their managing is top notch simone and zaghi knows exactly what he's doing um i it's just so crowded and maybe it it might very well be like last year where no one pays attention to Lazio and they're just going to steadily perform better than pretty much everyone. And I mean, they're not, maybe they won't have someone throw the match on the final match day or maybe in the final match. Now I don't have the schedule in front of me, but maybe on the last day, Milinkovic Savage throws the match so that Milan can get into the champions league (laughs) and then signs for us. He might partner up with his new teammate, who I'm sure still has a soft spot in his heart from Milan, and I think is the best addition Lazio made this summer, which I think might say something about their summer. Francesco yeah, exactly. Acerbi. Yeah, so he he and Acerbi will just talk before and be like, hmm, you know, it would be fun. Um, I mean, for me, <laughs> I know like Lazio is such a solid team, and they have been for years. They've just been hovering around that four to six, and I think this is the year that they'll finish sixth. I, I'm not going to take them out of Europe. No chance. No, I think I think these top six are pretty standard, and I think as a fan base from our listeners, our viewers, and our staff at the AC Milan offside, I think we're all pretty much on the same page. Yeah, it, it we we took a consensus from the from the staff today. And it sounded like every... So first of all, the consensus champions pick was Juventus, which is so sad because people are going to write Serie A off again. Minus Ronaldo because they're going to watch because of Ronaldo. Uh, now with ESPN. Um, Let's go. So, But Lazio between Milinkovic, Savic, and Immobile will always be fun to watch. And Immobile is another lock for several, several goals. And so... With that, 
who are your, let's say, top five for Golden Boot? All right. I'm going to go from back to front on this one. So number five, I have, I just mentioned Atalanta. I just found out that they brought in Duvan Zapata, who I think is one of the most underrated players in Serie A, or at least the most under one of the most underappreciated. I think he finishes fifth behind Chiro Immobile, who had an out-of-body experience last year and said, thankfully, I won the golden boot when I did. More on that later. Gonzalo Higuain, I think, will finish third, followed by Mauro Icardi. And then, big surprise, Cristiano Ronaldo I have winning the golden boot. So I have Higuain five. I have Jekko four. Immobile 3, Icardi 2, Ronaldo 1. And it's super, super easy to say Ronaldo and Icardi and, you know, watch Icardi score more. You know, like that's just like a lock <laughs> to happen. You know, um, I think Je- I just think that Jekko, look at Roma's striker depth and then look at ours we are far more likely to start somebody who is not Gonzalo Higuain, even though he is that good. We are far more likely to sub him out for Cutrone or Silva than Roma are to take out Ed and Dzeko. And plus their offense flows far more through him, and we haven't seen Higuain play for Milan yet. Uh, I'm That's why I have that vote of confidence for Dzeko. And the thing is, all of these guys are over 20 goals. We do have, I think you brought up an interesting point, and I think it kind of ties into a Twitter question we actually got. I think this is a good time to bring this in from uh, a fan named Kyle Lorio. He wants to know, because obviously we have this striker depth now with Iguain, Silva, and Cutrone, and maybe that splits up the goals. But what he wants to know while we're talking about these strikers is... What do you think of the possibility of Andre Silva playing as a second striker in a 4-4-2 with Iguain? I think we kind of touched on this earlier when we started talking about the formation. So if you want to think on it for a second, I don't like this idea personally. Yeah, I'm not sure. So on paper, that would probably be pretty fun. But here's my problem with it. One, Silva wasn't that great when he was alone up top last season. Two, I don't want him taking away from Higuain. And three, my main concern with that is, okay, if you're running a 4-4-2, who sits for Silva and what does your midfield look like? That's what concerns me. If we're talking about it as a 4-4-2, are we talking about a like a Four, like with a an attacking midfielder and then three midfielders behind them or like what is the shape we're doing any way you put it I'd imagine the way that would have to work is with something that we've both talked about that we'd like which is Chalinoglu playing through the middle as a Trey Quartista but I think you kind of lose something on the wings and that's where a lot of Milan's attack has come from when they've been successful under Gattuso is that like working out to go in? I think going straight up the middle, like that would probably lend itself toward, isn't the kind of direction we want to go because you know 
you can talk about Calabria and Rodriguez coming down the wings, but they were better combining with Chalinoglu on the left and Suso on the right. So I think you're you're trying to do too much by bringing Silva and Iguain into the same formation, and I think you you expose yourself and you hurt yourself on those on those wings. The problem for me, and I agree with everything you just said. The, the my problem is. If you have a 4-4-2, you have four slots for the following players. Bonaventura, Chalanoglu, Cassier, Suso, and deep-lying midfielder. Be it Locatelli or Bilia. Locatelli or Bilia has to be one of those. Yes. In whether you are going with a flat, um, or if you are going with a diamond, or if you're going with one and then three, whatever you want, one of those has to be Billy or Locatelli. So now you only have three for four players. So are you going to drop Suso? Because that's the, you're in the current Milan, you are going to have a hard time winning a game when Suso is not on the field. Not to mention this minute you drop him, it's time to start saying goodbye to him. Yeah. And you can't, yeah, you can't do that. And you can't, because also we know what Milan's game plan without Suso is. It's plunk it forward and see what happens. Montalivo has been making a living of doing that for years. So now you're talking two spots for either Bonaventura, Kessie, and Chalinoglu. If you're going to play with two strikers, you pretty much need Chalinoglu in there because he'll be creative for you. So then what are you going to, who are you going to bench? Bonaventura or Kessie? Because if you play Kessie, you're going to play him on the left instead of the right. If you play Bonaventura, you're benching Kessie, who takes a lot. That will take a lot out of your game. I I, I, I get the sentiment, and I get the reason. Um, and I get the excitement, too. The problem for me is it would change the dynamic of the team so much. And if someone's injured, and you, know, you, can, you can go for it, but... You have to make so many. You have to make Vincenzo Montella changes to the team to make that happen, and, and it would probably be cool. And they would probably bag a couple goals, but they also might trip over each other. And I don't want to fix what isn't broken. And what Gattuso has set up this way isn't broken. Right. And this is something that I picture, like you were just saying. Maybe this is something you try on a Saturday morning in Ferrara against Spall when you had a big Europa League match the Thursday before, or I'm sorry, a Sunday morning, you wouldn't be playing on the Saturday, but you get my point. And even then, like you're maybe resting players, but are you going to really change the team that much just to experiment a little bit and run the risk of, like I talked about earlier, those stupid points getting dropped? That's the issue I have is why, it's, it's too much of a risk. The system is built, and the 4-3-3 is built for one striker. And that's just... We are in a fortunate situation where we have now three strikers that we have at least some sort of confidence in. Even though there's almost no reason to have confidence in Andre Silva at this point in time. Which is sad, but there is almost no reason to have any sort of measurable confidence in that player. I mean, Higuain's the starter, and I don't think Coutrone's playing next to him. 
so that's just not him. And I get that Silva could be a second striker, but that's not. Yeah, we. That's not. That it's not going to happen. I think during this we've also ignored that Gonzalo Higuain is also a player who is very used to being alone up top. Yes. So. The second striker thing didn't work with Dybala either. No. Dybala had to play basically either as a winger or a midfielder. Like a, a, a center attacking midfielder kind of deal. Like a Trey Cortista almost. Right. And that that's what he had to do to be on the field at the same time as him. And he would play on the right wing otherwise. And yeah, it's just... He's going to... The box is Higuain's area. That you don't go into his box. You don't. You don't need to go. You you don't leave the. He doesn't leave the box. You don't go in. You're fine. Um, I do see one more other question um, at SBN Rossonero, and uh, whenever we record a podcast, if you send in questions, we'll try our best to get to them, uh, and that's a good way for us to engage you and you to talk to us. Um, and it's also from Calario. Would Conti start over Calabria when healthy? For me, it's a no again yeah f- yeah for me right now i get the hu- i get the hype i get the reason why conti would have the starting spot last season because the competition was abate and calabria well now we've seen so much more from calabria and we haven't seen literally anything from conti because every time he's gotten on the field he's gotten injured which is super upsetting i feel super bad for him but right now Cal- it's calabria's spot to lose Especially in the pre in the preseason friendlies, even though he made some mistakes, those were at left back, and still no one got past him. So I I say no. It's Calabria's spot until further notice. Like I said in the last podcast, when Conti went down, it was originally Abate who went in, and then very quickly Calabria was like, "No, that's my spot." And finally, after a couple of years of Willy Woney, he did. So I think you give it to him until he loses it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, real quick, couple things before we go. Player of the season, Serie A next year. Cristiano Ronaldo. It's Ronaldo. Yeah, that's a lob. That's easy. That's, I sorry. I mean, it would be a Cardi otherwise uh, for me, but it's just not. It's, it's going to be Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, if he scores anything more than 23, it's his. Um and who's I'm going to say Gattuso just because I think of the top teams that top six, I think Milan are the most likely to overperform, which I suggested with them finishing fourth. So I think Allegri, you know, it, it'll probably go to someone like Allegri or Spalletti, but I like manager of the year to be like, who did the best coaching job? Yeah, like, like who, coach of who the year. was able to yeah. move his team farther than they maybe should have. And having Milan at fourth, I can, it was kind of default that that would be my response. This was interesting for me because I looked at, is it coach of the year or is it who is in charge of the best team of the year? And if you're talking coach of the year, I would probably agree it's probably Gattuso. Although actually, if I'm if I'm going coach of the year, probably Spalletti. Yeah. Um, just because of what he will be able to do with that squad in his image. But if you're talking manager of the season, it's it's Allegri. Yeah. Uh, just because of what we know Juve is going to do, what we know he will be able to do with the talent he has, 
I mean, that roster is absolutely loaded, and I just see it's it's Allegri's to lose, and if it's not him, it's Spalletti. Uh, a lot would have to happen uh, for Gattuso to get it, and I think that would have to include Spalletti getting fired and Allegri not winning the league. And Gattuso and Milan finishing in a Champions League, if not top three spot. So that that's why I say Allegri. I know it's easy, but it's just, I, I can't honestly say um, otherwise. Uh, real quick, relegation. Who you got? Relegation, I have Frosinone in 18th. I just think that they're, it's these teams that came Rip. up. Yeah. I have Chievo at 19, and now this could also become Crotone with this situation that Chievo find themselves in. But it's either going to be Crotone comes in or Chievo start with a point deduction. So that's pretty much guaranteed. And speaking of which, Parma 20th. You don't come back from starting five points behind when you just got promoted. So you have to – you start at minus five. You can pretty much just start packing your bags now. Yeah. I in, – in no particular order, I have Frozenone – I have Spal and I have Parma. Uh, this is based on the fact that, as of writing, Kievo do not have a deduction, uh, which, you know, it's a little... It, it's weird that we're, what, 10 days, 11 days away from the start of the season. We don't know if it's going to be Kievo or, Croton- or Crotone. I'd like to reserve the right, if these teams change... if if. Kievo either gets a point deduction or if they're replaced with Crotone, I would like to revisit this That's because fair. I would have a different answer. Um, right now, as is, Parma's screwed, Frozenone's done, and it's either going to be Empoli or Spal. Take your pick. One of them's finishing 18th, the other is finishing 17th with like two like, more points. I kind of like that Spal team. I do. I like, I don't. I liked them last year, and like I saw what they were doing, and I just think that the top six and seven and eight are so much better than they were last year. Like everyone improved, and I'm afraid that those results that Spall was able to get are going to drop. That's fair. And Frozenone is just bad. I got really excited when I saw that they brought in Andrea Patania to name another former Milan player who's doing fine for himself. Um, so yeah, I mean, this league is going to be so fun from top to bottom. And that just makes me even more excited that the whole season is going to be on ESPN and ESPN plus, as you mentioned earlier. So the best is that as we approach the start of the season, we'll actually get news as to whether Kiev is going to be relegated or not. It's going to be exciting. And, And hopefully they'll go ahead and get relegated so we don't have to deal with the inevitable 1-1 draw at Kievo. Because I have much more confidence against Crotone. I mean, otherwise, um, yeah, I if, if, we, if Kievo get relegated or switch with Crotone or a points deduction, I got to come back to this and I'll make a point to mention it. But if, if that happens, I need to edit these picks because as it stands... I, I mean, Frozenone is just bad. Um, either Empoli or Spal 
are going down, and then Parma's screwed because they do have a points deduction. Hmm. So that miracle story is they're, they're going to get sent right back down, and they'll probably be back next year, or the year after, excuse me. But, the, I mean, they'll probably be back. One thing I will say for Parma real quick is their kits are fire this year. They do look really Did nice. Did you see the one that is, like, black with the uh, with the cross in blue and yellow? Kind of like the Portugal jersey from Euro 2012. It's apparently to honor their uh, the 20th anniversary of their UEFA Cup. It's so cool. Someone I know bought that like an hour after it came out. Oh, well done. I got to tell you, I was so bummed with the way this summer went for Parma because, you know, I like, I like to romanticize these teams a little bit sometimes. And so when I saw they got promoted and I knew some of the things that were going on around the rest of the, the rest of the league, I was like, man, I just want to see Parma come back. Top six. Well, what I really wanted was I wanted Ancelotti to come back as manager because obviously that was the job that propelled him forward to Juve then Milan. I wanted Buffon to sign with them for a year. And then I wanted them to bring in Sebastian Javinko. Ooh, I think be that would have been so much fun. See, and then, yeah, then I'd have a little more faith. I'm with you. I, I actually didn't think of that. But, I mean, I'm sure if they had, like, if they were in Syria for another year or two, I wouldn't have counted any of those things out because they would have been able to afford all of it. But at, the, at their current state, it's like, eh, we, like, we can't really do a lot. Like, we appreciate it, but we can't really do a lot. Anyway, so just to recap, I have Juve, Inter, Napoli, Roma, Milan, Lazio. Tim has Juve, Inter, Napoli, Milan, Roma, Lazio. Uh, We both have Ronaldo as our golden boot. And player of the season, we both have Icardi, second to Ronaldo. And uh, we are both hoping that Sergei Milinkovic-Savic will be in a Milan jersey at the start of the season, but it's not going to happen. So just really quickly, want to thank everyone who took the time to let us know what they thought was going to happen with Milan this season. Because like I said, I think they're kind of on the same page with us. Maybe more optimistic like I am right now. Because according to our poll that we ran on Twitter, and we'll be doing more of this, especially as we get ready to record podcasts. So follow us at SBN Rosanero. 11 I'll start at the bottom. 2% think that they're going to finish outside the top six. a boy. That's, that's be adventurous. Good for you. There we go. go. 21% say fifth or sixth, and I'm sure more of them would say fifth than sixth. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I contributed to the 66% of people who think top four, which I would imagine most go, of those folks. people are saying three and four. 11%. These are the people I really want to talk to. Yeah. 11% say that Milan are going to be champions this season. Which Yeah, so okay, so you and I were talking about this before we started recording and if you voted for champions, I want to hear from you. I want you to tweet at us. I want to tweet I want you to tweet at me at stole underscore P. I want you to tweet at Tim at Tim underscore Fontenot and I want you to tweet at the SBN Rosanero account on why you said we are going to be champions because i'm sorry but i just don't have that faith 
I also want your email address so that I can email you when times are tough and you can lift me up with your positivity. I understand it's a Twitter poll, like not taking it too seriously, but if you voted champions and you had a reason for it, I, I do want to, I genuinely want to know because if you don't think that Juve are going to, also this, the same thing applies. If you do not think that Juventus are going to win the league next season, Tell me why. If you think it's going to be Inter, if you think it's going to be Roma, if you even think it's going to be Napoli or AC Milan, tweet us. Let us know why you think Juve won't win it. Um, and I, by which I mean the league, not Champions League, because that's obvious. Um, and it's too easy to say that they will not win another Champions League uh, because, frankly... I don't think they will. I, I I just don't see it. Like, I I honestly, I can't see it. I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to be hard to go up against Barca, PSG, City. Um, I think, you know, they're definitely in the conversation. I just don't think it's going to happen. So if you don't think Juve is going to win Syria, let me know. Um because that's a whole different conversation. Uh, the Champions League just gets into straight banter, and then then it, it you got it. You got to take a break after a while. Uh, anyway, on that note, thank you for listening to the season preview episode uh, of the Devil Wears Rossonero, uh, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan offside. Tim and I will be back soon, uh, talking about hopefully a midfielder, maybe hopefully in the transfer window and previewing the first game of AC Milan season. So stay tuned for that. Uh, for Tim, for the staff of the Devil Wears, Ross Nero, the AC Milan offside, I'm Patrick. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.